So go back and listen to that if you... <laughs> Sorry. <coughs> Just choked on a, a bit of juice. Hello and welcome to episode 64 of the Floorhammer podcast, the light take on the grim dark. I'm David Pettit and in the episode that we're going to be talking about our tools of the trade, I'm joined by the man who's less trade, more tool. It's Rich O'Keefe. <sighs> Thanks Dave. No Thank worries, you. how are you? I'm good, I sensed that one coming as the joke started and you didn't um, fail to deliver for once. Of course so well done. you did. Uh, as always you can find us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Floorhammer podcast. Our website, floorhammerpodcast.com, and our Instagram handle, at floorhammer underscore podcast. You got it right, first take. Well done. (laughs) Oh, God. How have you been the last uh, two weeks, Rich? Yeah, good, mate. It's flown by, actually. I can't believe it's been two weeks already. I'm kind of starting to lose the meaning of time again. Yeah. I felt like I rallied over the summer, but um, it's gone to pot. Yeah, I I have had a couple of four-day weeks, so... um, yeah, so weekends have rolled into weeks and weeks have rolled into weekends and I believe we are Monday today. That's good to know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I got my um I got my first haircut in a few months as well. I've I could have uh, had a complete donation to a uh, to a wig with the amount of stuff that came off, but uh, it's really strange someone with a complete sort of hazmat suit was was giving me a haircut. <laughs> So this is the benefit of having zero hair, mate. I do it myself at home. It takes five minutes, you know. <laughs> no, but I had, I had like the the mask on, and uh-huh. they have to cut around your ears, and you're just like, oh, I don't want to have to buy another mask if you make one slip here. But uh, yeah, it's 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 strange. Like, I mean, they, they had the angle grinder face covering. Yep, for, yep, yep. For, for cutting my hair, and it's it's really strange. I mean, I'm I'm not one for small talk with hairdressers at the best of times, but when they're talking to you behind a mask. Um, and looking like that, it's yeah, it's it's surreal. It's a little unsettling, but, uh, isn't it? Yeah, everything about this year is. So. I think that's the theme. Yeah. Hey ho. Um, anyway, let's go to a uh, a constant. And uh, what have we got coming up today? Well, yep, you're going to hit us with some hobby progress, and then I'll, I'll oh, take yeah. my turn. I think we won't break the break the mold there. Um, GW releases. We've got uh, quite a few exciting things coming out. Nothing, nothing um, spectacularly unheard of, but uh, nothing that we weren't uh, already expecting. Yeah, exactly. But we've got dates, and we'll we have the dates. And it's the first Codex is ninth edition, so that's pretty exciting stuff. I am stoked. There you go. There's one for the bingo. Oh, oh there you go. Um, no game to talk about, and uh, I don't know how it actually is in your. Uh, in your neck of the woods, Dave, but we are on the watch list in our uh, in our borough. Yeah, we've got to be uh, careful, otherwise it'll be local lockdown for us. Oh, I am the next or next two counties over, so uh, we haven't been hit with restrictions right just yet. And uh, my bubble house, the extended bubble house, is in a uh, is in a different county, I think. Okay, I think well, Hampshire. You... You never know what might happen there. And I, I almost missed the Nando source system of figuring out where, where everyone's at. But um, oh, I mean, I have no idea what's going on. And uh, yeah, <laughs> you should so... you should sign up for the government, Dave. Yeah, 
I mean, we're not allowed to meet up unless we're going to a fox hunt or something. So yeah, exactly. Maybe we should have like a fake fox hunt and meet up. Annual Floorhammer Fox. I mean, the last time I got on a horse was like more than 10 years ago and I'm pretty sure I fell off. So maybe <laughs> we don't do that. <laughs> I can't say I've been on a horse, but um, as you can probably tell. <laughs> yeah, it's best best, best we don't go down that road. Um, and as you've alluded to for our topic, we're going to talk about our tools of the trade. Because mm. uh, there is a world of different hobby tools out there. I compare it to like all the stuff you can have when you have a child. There are some things that you really need and that are useful. And there's a whole load of extra crap that someone will try and sell you and tell you you have to buy. But you really, really don't. Bought a bottle warmer. Never used it. For your paints or your... Do you know what you could do, Dave? You could use it to pre-warm your primer cans before you spray. There you go. I was actually thinking that in my, my head God. as I said it out loud. Because <laughs> I, I had that same... I had that situation uh, this week, actually. I was, I was priming something. And although it's been very hot here, went to get the cans out the uh, the outside cupboard and it was mm. very cold. So could have used it then for the right. first Best opportunity, time. mate. Yeah. I should, I should probably like Facebook Marketplace it or something. Sure, sure, sure. You might, you might find a use in one day. <laughs> and hobby tips: we'll be finishing up with looking at removing details from models because I've done this a couple of times recently, and I saw someone do a very, very scary version of this on a YouTube video, and uh, it got me thinking. So I thought it would be a good topic to go over. Okay, is that is that actual details of the model, or is that painted on details? I mean, for the example I'm going to use is scraping like a shield flat. Um, oh, but right. I mean, there's quite a lot of things where you've got to you've got to trim off extra pieces. Um, it, I, it came to light with the Crusaders that I was working on because they're Age of Sigma models. So there's some stuff that you just don't want hanging around on the model for a for a 40k mini. All those Sigma lightning bolts, that sort of thing. Yes, exactly. Cool. So should we head into it? Let's go. So I have been um, battling with time the last couple of weeks, and here we go. Here we go. I hadn't actually um, done any hobby for. I think I worked it out as sort of 16, 17 days. Really? Wow. Yeah, so I did it at the start of the uh, the two-week period for our last episode, mm-hmm. and I've done it right at the end of this two-week period uh, for this episode. So so how much of that was you wanting to do hobby, and how much of that was you not wanting to be mocked for doing nothing? <laughs> uh, it, actually, 50-50. Oh, I thought nice. I should actually do something for the podcast. But no, I just, I just um, didn't have time, no. and then when it got down to it, I just couldn't be bothered it's been it's been a strange uh weather pattern here it's been sort of muggy and you know when it's muggy and you just feel like you can't be asked i got into that mindset and it just rolled on and then i had different distractions and yeah i only started um picking up a paintbrush the last few days you've been crunching numbers for your wow raids <laughs> yes 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 and no not that, let that one um, go no no we, we we've we've decided to sort of keep that on the back burner until the uh the new stuff comes out oh, okay We've we've crunched our numbers and uh, everyone's settled on their main characters for next expansion, so we're all good. <laughs> I digress. Uh, I have painted up my blade guard and finished them. Oh, fantastic! Yes, so uh, I had done all of the um, models aside from the shields and one of the heads for the guys. Right. So the sword brethren from my uh, Black Templars um, army, and it's the uh, blade guard from the Indominus set. Um, the sergeant i guess has no helmet so i've done a head for him and i wanted to paint it separately so it didn't get all mixed up with the the black armor or the the sort of weathering um shizness that was going on um and i find it a lot easier to paint them separately 
um, heads that is especially because they're such a, a light color compared to the dark armor like I said um, so I painted that up it was actually the uh, like a melted head from 30k salamanders so I delved deep into my bits box um, I've, I mean I've got like 100 heads uh, space marine heads of helmets and um, bear heads in my in my bits box from various armies um, a few blood angels ones in there so I could, didn't really want to give him fangs no um uh, so uh, yeah, I, I picked out this head. I thought it was quite cool, and it's uh, very uh, broken and battered, and it's got like metallic implants and stuff. It's it's quite a cool head. Cool. It uh, looks like uh, the sort of person that would be a bear head in a veteran squad that is close combat. <laughs> fair, fair. Yeah, he is. Uh, he's he's not winning over the uh, the ladies there. Uh, so painted uh, his head up, and there three shields as well. So the shields, I basically just gave a spruce up. I primed them again and painted them the same way that they were before, but with all of the new techniques and the new, um, essentially, colour scheme that, I, um, that I've incorporated into the, the rest of the blade guard. So uh, they, they've come out really well. I need to get a professional picture um, done because I've just um, got them on the painting table at the moment. I haven't um, sort of put uh, them in the light box or anything like that. So I need to get that set up professional i like the sound of this yeah well i mean i use the pro setting on the samsung phone camera so there you go counts uh, and I... then i've moved on to the captain from indomitus because i wanted to do a character um i started looking at the outriders i started doing my um sort of gradient black armor on the outriders and just went no i need to do a character i need to do a single figure and in order to not make the captain look like he is just uh, one of the the guys, especially with a lot of forty mil bases mm-hmm. in the Indomitus set. Yes, I wanted to make him stand out, and it's not just oh, is that the blade guard sergeant? Oh no, no, that is the captain. So I've done him in completely gold armor. Ooh, so uh, a bit like Helbrecht. I was gonna say, is he um, stepping on toes there with that? Not really, because um, they they wear just ornate armor. Uh, they they don't have a fixed color scheme, and you know okay. how ornate Black Templars are with all of the heraldry and the cloaks and the chains, and well, that's it really. But yeah. <laughs> um, I wanted to make him stand out. I wanted to make him uh, obvious that he is the captain. And uh, I'd seen a few people um, on the internet um, try it, and it turned out really well for them. And he's still got enough black templar bits and quirks and uh, obvious um black templar heraldry that he he can't be mistaken for i don't like a minotaur or something or a sanguinary guard sort of style right yeah um he's still he's still obviously a black templar dude um so i started with the brass color so um brassy brass from vallejo i liked it to an extent but it looked well i mean it's brass i thought it looked a bit too ready too brownie okay um, so i wanted to make him look a bit more regal and ornate like i said um so i actually switched to um the metal color from vallejo gold it's i think it's just called gold wow straightforward uh, then yeah i haven't got the uh the bottle with me but it's very much a yellowy well like a yellow gold it's mm-hmm. a very much a bright gold and the vallejo metal color range is very very 
um i want to say chrome but that's the color but you know uh, like shiny yes very shiny it, it's it's very much a polished metal and uh, in the sort of the yellowy gold color scheme i thought it came out very well and it used the brassy brass as a base anyway okay so i sort of incorporated the brassy brass as as the base color and then this one as as the layer over the top and because it's so bright and shiny it sort of incorporates its own uh, highlights to it as well um, in like the layered highlights a bit like um how you've have you how you've worked your contrast paints over yes. sort of metals but uh, b- because it's very bright and it's very non me uh, i had to go over with a a non oil wash okay. over the whole thing um rather than a brown because just to tie it into the rest of the army i will go over with a streaking grime I've been testing and have used the uh, MIG Ammo Streaking Grime, which right, is yep. basically the same, exactly the same as the um, AK Interactive Streaking Grime, especially the way I use it with the um, reduction effect, and it only goes into the recesses, that basically. So um, I will be switching over to that um, just because it's uh, a lot easier to get a hold of, as well as all of the... Um, uh, moral implications that come with the other brand that was so, some seriously good diplomacy there dave yes you put it a lot nicer than i would have hey i've, I've reworded that several times <laughs> um so yeah i i think it's come out really well and i will be painting the um cloth next on the Ooh, model yes. because that also incorporates the streaking grime um and then i will as i said do streaking grime over the whole thing so uh, for those of you back on the uh, mig streaking grime drinking game you're uh you're in luck you've had a few weeks off your livers have hopefully recovered and uh get ready to get smashed <laughs> next episode hide all the alcohol yeah. um but yeah that, that, that's what i've done this week i mean i only painted sort of two nights this week just because um I, I did struggle with some motivation and um, time constraints as well so um, a, a bit of work done, enough to speak on the podcast, and uh, because I only did a little bit, I spoke a lot about it. Which you're is really good at that, mate. You're the really way good I at roll. that. No wonder uh, you're so anyway. successful at work. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I mean, I made a uh, living out of being a ball depositor crapper. Nice. Thank you, depositor. Again, diplomacy. Uh, w- what have you done this uh, these last two weeks? Moving on very swiftly. Well, as a surprise to absolutely nobody, I did some more work on my Age of Sigmar boards. No, which is taking an eternity. Hey, it, it looks it looks amazing. It's it's going well, thank you. And speaking and as someone that takes an eternity to paint models, sometimes yeah. it's well worth it. the The last two weeks have been an, an exciting process of making twenty trees. <laughs> Still, which uh, yeah, no, they are now um, all assembled, and I've dunked them in their liquid latex to hold them all together, to rubberize them, uh, which makes them super durable, and I spray-painted them brown. So the vast majority of that's actually done. Next up is I have to do the flocking on top and paint the trunk, but the trunk is super easy because I just used the glue and then sprinkled over sieved soil um, to do the trunk. It gives it enough texture and the right kind of browniness that it just works and it's super yeah. easy. So I'm going to go with that option. Nat- natural always makes it look better as well, I think. It does. Yeah. It just ties it in nicely. Um, but um, yeah, I'm, I'm at my limit for making trees, having done 20 of them. That I don't wish to repeat that process. They were quite quick. <laughs> um, but again, speed when you're doing so many is still gets you down. Was going to be a forest, but uh, deforestation has uh, hit the age of Sigma quite. It, it has. Quite yes. Quite substantially. 
It has. They've got to clear the ground for cattle, so they, there's only one way to do it. <laughs> Drive out those Sylvaneth. Um, it's it's, uh, it's it's the uh, you've you've progressed into the Bronze Age of uh, Age of Empires, and you've cut down all the local. Oh trees. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I still love that game. It's so good. I'm surprised you remember it, Dave. Well referenced. Oh, I loved it. I spent way too long on that. And then when you get to a certain point where you sort of losing interest, you put all your cheats in. Yes. Yes. You have a little army man or a, a monster truck running around killing everything. <laughs> You're so easily pleased, aren't you? I am, and I'm so easily distracted as well. So I please carry this. on. Um, and I've got to fix up the walls. So where I 3D printed the walls, um, obviously they're in segments because um, 3D printers aren't massive. Um, so I've got to uh, fill in some gaps where I glued the segments together just to make sure everything's nice and smooth. And then there'll be a primer and a sponge paint. So they'll be quite straightforward to get done, actually. So it's getting there. Um, it's just uh, slow progress and trying to find time to go out and do it at the moment is a bit tricky. And we're about to hit the cold weather, which I mentioned last time. So I've already, to get the trees to dry, had to put a little box over a radiator and get them uh, warmed that way. So all that to look forward to. How how um, how are your vlogs coming on? Uh, slow because I'm trying to include like something new and relevant yeah, yeah. So something people can learn from so the next one will cover like how I made the trees for example um, but I had to sit and make 20 trees before I can put that out there so uh, <laughs> time lapse not it's, it's, it's not it's real life <laughs> no no one wants to watch the time lapse of that and I've been tackling some other terrain leftovers so before I mentioned I had some kill team leftovers and I did the manufactorum from the same manu- ruined manufacturer and box set from GW, I had a couple of um, vats, I guess you'd describe them, um, okay, yeah. with like a little bu- busted up walkway on top, and I mixed and matched some pipes in um, to Are kind of make some. Open? One of the vats is open and torn apart in like an explosion because it's a, okay. it's a ruined manufactorum, um, which I'll fill with some goop. But yeah, I just finished off those and a walkway um, from some other leftover pieces that I've had um, lying around. So these are just things that I've been meaning to get done for ages um i thought i'd get them sure. off the list and my brother-in-law uh bought some more towel bits and he bought from our local gw the out of stock kill team box set for towel so yes. they the, did the individual army ones um so he got like i don't know what's in there like fire warriors slash breachers and something else um but most importantly he got Stealth the wall- suit, i think isn't it yeah i think so hmm. um he got the wall of martyrs um, Ooh, trench line nice. thing not a, not a massive but like two sections that go together to form like I don't know 18 inches of trench line or something which is actually the same sort of width as I could put on the roads on my gaming table that I already have and part of the thing with the wall of martyrs is they like literally drop it in and assemble it when needed like it's supposed mm. to be like almost flat pack defences um, so the idea that it would be deployed in the middle of a city kind of actually fits um, so I've just spray bombed that with death guard green that I had left over from my death guard um by the time i do some stones and chipping and that sort of thing it will look like that kind of drab military green color and um and then it's got paint loads of gold eagles all over it because it's the imperium right so your your defensive wall has got to be covered in gold eagles otherwise how how else would camo work in (laughs) forget the camo work how else you gonna repel bullets other than with eagles this is how it works faith faith in the emperor exactly which nothing reminds you of your faith in the emperor like a nice big gold eagle (laughs) It's hilarious, I love it. And Sisters Squad number two. So I am quite enthused with doing these sisters. Um, and despite the fact that they're actually quite a carefully painted uh, army for me for once, uh, they've been going quite smoothly. I'm done, I'm done the second squad, just got to do the heads now. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I think it's because the armour was so easy to do with the contrast, it freed me up to put a bit more effort in with the other bits and pieces, and uh, it's going quite nicely. I've got the recipe sorted. Did you settle on hair colours? Because I know you were debating that last time. Yeah, I went with shock white. I think it just stands out against the armour really nicely, and most of them are uh, helmetless. So uh, it really stands out, which is nice. And you paint the entire head Corax white. Uh, makes it easy to do the hair with the uh, with the uh, I used thinned down Space Wolf grey contrast paint to do the hair, and then the face is also white, ready for um, going over with contrast paints. Because I'm really into contrast paints for flesh. I did it on my ogres for Age of Sigma, and you know, using uh, Gulliman flesh is fantastic. Um, mm-hmm. I put just a touch of either. Uh, Blood Angels Red in with it to make it a more reddish tone. Um, I've been putting Skeleton Horde in with it to give it a more tan tone. And I used Wildwood, which is the dark brown one for doing uh, dark skin tones. And it's really, really, really good. Like, it's so easy. And then it's just a couple of highlights after that. Um, So you can get a good variety of skin tones from one base layer, just using a couple of contrast paints and kind of mixing between them freely. Okay. You get you get get a good variation with low effort. Yeah, I do something similar. I I go with um I tend to go with a grey primer just because that's the um the recess color of white hair. Right. So, yes. Um, yeah, and I f- I find that grey I can find details better when I spray something grey. For sure. Yeah. It, it's actually easier to work with than black or white. Yeah. So uh, if if I am doing your your method of um, quick contrast paints, then I will go with white. But um, yeah, I, t- I tend to go with grey for faces, just just for the picking out those details. And kind of continuing on from the sisters, I've been I put the previous unit on their bases and put them in the storage box. Um, I just continued that base manufacturing process for rebase or for properly basing the other inquisitional stuff that's going alongside. So I had the subjugators and the other Enforcer models that I'd done before um, are still standing on their pins on their bases, which is not great. Nice. Um, so I've made them the cathedral-themed bases to go with, um, just to kind of tidy everything up, and I can get it all in one box then, which is nice. Sure, yeah. And I also started painting some more Space Marines. Um, so I mentioned before I primed all the stuff from the Indomitus and the Apothecary that I found, um, so I was while I was mixing up the the um, Space Wolf Grey to do the sister's hair uh, before I just mixed up extra and put it onto the um, apothecary and this really is my way of painting white now it's come out really really nicely. Is the apothecary um, ready? Very good, Dave. Very good, <laughs> Dawn of War reference. Love it. He is not ready uh, yet. No, I am He's... here all day. <laughs> He's still in prep. Um, but yeah, it's been a busy couple of weeks. But uh, things are getting put in boxes and completed, which makes me feel good. Mm. Don't have any games to play them in, unfortunately, yet. Um, But getting stuff done and off the desk and nicely boxed up and packed away makes me feel good. Um, It feels like I'm actually achieving something. This time next year, we might be out of lockdown. So never know. This time next year, we might get our first game in. Yes. Nice bit of crusade to start things off when everybody else has already had about four. (laughs) Yeah. Right, should we roll on through to GW releases? Sure, let's go for it. Go on then. Yes, there were quite a few um, releases or pre-orders going up. Uh, actually, tomorrow, if we release this on the correct Friday. We will, Dave, we um, always do. We, we always do, through through thick and thin, through staying up till 2am. 
Um, no, no, it's never quite that bad. That's a lie, but I do not remember the last time I stayed up, stayed up to 2am. I don't think I could cope anymore. Oh, well, the NFL season's on, so it's quite regular for me at the moment. Is but, that football? Uh, yes, American football. Okay. There you go. Uh, right, so anyway, uh, what have we got? We have got the Marine Codex with some extra units. So what have we got, Rich? Uh, we've got the long-promised Chaplin on Bike, which I'm sure you're going to get because it's freaking awesome. It looks freaking awesome. The Invader ATV, the Marmite uh, vehicle of the of uh, the week. People are I still think, upset. I think this is one of those models that everyone's going to hate on until they see it in real life and I go, so. actually, actually, that looks really nice. It's really pretty cool. Mm. The kept quiet Firestrike turret. We saw it when it was first mentioned. And I haven't seen much of it since. So this is the emplacement turret. But I'm going to be really interested to see how it actually works in a game of 40k because... Having played a couple of games of ninth now... Um, where the hell are you going to put it? <laughs> where the hell are you going to put it? Because there's loads yeah. more terrain. Loads more terrain blocks line of sight. Is it permanently stationary? Who knows? Guess we'll have to find out. It's got like these clamped down legs, so I assume it can't move. And in parallel, we get the Necron Codex as well. Mm. And what, is, what models does that come with, Dave? Oh, flipping it around. Well, Richard, we've got <laughs> uh, the, the Silent King himself is up for pre-order that and this amazing. yeah i mean it's basically a mini diorama a bit like the um triumph of st catherine yes. reminds me of for the sisters this is a um a unit that is essentially a mini diorama um and you've got the locust 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 heavy lo- yeah. locust 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 yeah locust Just, it's locust with a south african accent locust sure. heavy destroyer which is the cool triple-barreled thing that we talked about before, and <laughs> I am so, so getting it. It's I am so, so getting it. It looks amazing. Um, and with those two, you've got the Canoptech Doomstalker, which is essentially the um, reanimator, the big War of the Worlds walker, yes. but with a big Doomsday cannon. cannon? Doomsday cannon? It comes from the Doomsday Arc, right? It looks it's like one it of, does. It's one of the guns on the croissant, yes. Are you sure it's not bigger than that? I, I thought it was, oh, well, maybe it is. Poss- possibly, possibly. Maybe. I haven't done the dimensions, but uh, yeah, I, I don't think I've seen rules for it yet. Um, however, I'm not a great fan of it because I really like the reanimator. I know it yes. doesn't have any guns, but I really like the 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 visual aspect of it. Yeah. It rem- very much reminds me of the Matrix. I think I used this analogy before. Yeah, I know what you the, mean. Uh, yeah, the robots that are walking through the, the field of human crops essentially yeah but those are things that we have talked about already and uh, so we thought we'd sort of move through them quite quickly what we haven't talked about unless we have and i've forgotten no no is the good. tactical deployment terrain rule terrain rules excellent you're making fun of my spelling again wow oh dear you're too kind dave you know it is abysmal, right? You know it's abysmal. <laughs> Every single set of show notes, there's some utter drivel that I've written because I've I've typed it badly and Google's just like crapped out on me and not corrected it. So, you know. <laughs> Even Google's like, yeah, you're on your own with that one. <laughs> yeah, if my computer doesn't know what I mean, then it just gives up and uh, you're left to figure it out, Dave. So, well done. What do you think yeah. I meant? Come on, have a guess. Terrain? Well done. It was yeah. terrain. So this so is the clever. tactical deployment terrain rules. Yes. I'm... And you have put what I was thinking. Thank goodness for the cards. Oh, my goodness. Like, 
this is like so this is a matched play setup arrangement where each player this is what's hilarious it's matched play kind of a setup but each player brings terrain features to the game to add like tactical variety but most people i know that are into match play don't give a crap about like cool looking terrain necessarily so this is gonna be an interesting kind of blend of the two together but when you say match play do you mean like sort of tournament setting because i like match play from the points perspective but i'm yes. very much a cinematic player oh yeah true but um they, they've they've specifically called out that this is related or this is um Matched play missions and that come with these terrain data sheets, data cards. So I'm really excited about the data cards, not because they're a whole, they're another layer of coolness that you can um, put on your games. But yes, like you say, they're going to help us remember what's going on. So I want to actually see the full pack of what there are, because at the moment it is Battlezone Manufactorum. So it's all the Manufactorum themed stuff. Mm hmm. The example they give is like a vehicle repair station. It's like an engine shed. Um, a bit like the mech workshop. Yeah, and it, you can use, you know, if a vehicle is in the terrain piece and an infantry unit is in the terrain piece, they can help fix the vehicle, basically, and heal it some wounds, which is cool. bit underneath Space Marines, but there we go. <laughs> hey, man, Space Marines, they're, 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 they're the dual unit, including fixing their own vehicles, apparently. <laughs> but, I mean, you're not actually going to... It has to be in the footprint of the building for that rule to apply, for example. So there's going to be a lot of um, being sure what the outline of buildings are, which with the new buildings is really obvious because they're, 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 they're very clear where Quite they boxy, are. boxy, yeah. Um, and and the, the back of the card has a little diagram of what the building should look like. Like, two, you know, it's usually two ruined corners and two gaps, basically, to form a, a rectangle. Um, but... What's going to be good is I think for playing games at home, you're going to be able to actually like put these next to the buildings um, to remind you what everything does because it has on there like this terrain piece has the following features or keywords and it, they relate to the keywords from the rule books. So they will help guide you in what the heck the buildings actually do again. Because um, it definitely took take a while for me and my brother-in-law to kind of pick up which yeah. which bits went with which. Yeah, definitely. I uh, I am very much one of those people that lose track of things, especially when we we were playing sort of Urban Conquest and you have extra rules on top. And I think it's going to be a big thing with Crusade as well when you've got extra rules for your units. So anything that allows me to uh, visually remember stuff, especially if it's next to the terrain piece or the unit, I am all for that. And going with that, you've got the Battlezone Manufactorum Vertigus. So this is the um, terrain and boards and very good value. Yeah, I'm just looking at it now um, to help remind myself because I put it as really good value. Um, and I think that's because it's the right size board for playing up to a thousand points. Yes, it is. Um, in a box. And the picture they show on the GW website, it's not actually on the GW website yet, but they sh- the one they showed the on the community site. page mm-hmm. um, shows the table looks pretty full actually when all this stuff's spread out on it there's there's two decent sized rectangular buildings because all of the new building box sets uh, have quite a large footprint because those tiles that make up the walls are like two inches wide i think so quite sizable and you get two and a half buildings worth is how i'd describe it yeah i'd I'd, I'd go with that and a and a run of pipes um a fair fair number of pipes and that chorus thing, and the vat, and a bunch of other scattered decorative bits to go with it, 
and the two boards in the box. I think for I think it's ninety pounds, um, but I think you get a really good uh, amount of stuff in there. I mean, you want to buy a battle mat, right, for a half-sized board. You know, a half-sized board battle mat is going to cost you twenty-five, thirty quid anyway, and not and not. And that's not a nice neoprene mat one. That's like just a, a vinyl one or whatever. Cardboard, yeah. And this one's double sided, so you get, you get the you get the grey rubble effect on one side, and then it's the red Martian earth effect on the other side. So you get but you get two essentially. Um, and the, from I remember the kill team one that I gave to you. Like they're actually pretty good quality. Um, yeah, they they're are. nice. They're really nice printed. It's held up well. They're durable. Yeah. Yeah. So I like all this, and it all, it all goes in the box afterwards, so you can just chuck it back in the box and, and, and pack it away easy. So I, yeah. I think I think it's a really good kit, actually, and it's a great way to get your table started. Like that and a couple of the key other pieces, you've got a, you know, a good-sized table to play a 1,000 points on, which is, you know, unless you are wanting to play mega battles, especially given as people aren't really gaming that much at the moment, actually playing smaller games for less time is probably better off. Certainly, yeah, and and even if you just condense the size of the mat and have that terrain as a kill team map, uh, yeah, that's m- more than enough. Well, oh, that's um, a really good idea. I hadn't even thought of that. Yeah, it's a kill team board, really densely populated. Yep, good thinking it's, though. It's, and, and and because it's the the manufactorum thing that goes. It, I mean, it pretty much goes with all of the uh, the manufactorum stuff, and the I've forgotten the rest of the different latin words for the <laughs> sector mechanicus <laughs> sector mechanicus there you go there's another one and they all they all sort of work together anyway yep. so i think uh i think it's really good i think it's really good value i didn't even know it was double-sided board as well yeah it's good a, anyway there's a few things like that that uh, there's there's um i think some other bits and bobs in the pack but um overall i think it's uh it's really nice and it's the only way you can get that cool the thing the cool yeah chorus coral something or other it's called insert another latin name here. yeah <laughs> but um which which looks freaking awesome it has got though what i like is that piece has the nod back to the cities of death if you notice when you look at it it's got those really nasty looking spiked pieces on top those gothic spikes that they kind of removed from a lot of the terrain sets um but they're back on this one so prepare to impale yourself on this oh yeah more than once so much blood on the games workshop tables i swear So let's move on to the main topic that we've got for you tonight, and that is tools of the trade. So this is going to be uh, the tools that we use, our favorite tools, any tools that we want to avoid as well. Um, So I have have a few of those. Oh, do you? You've got some pitfalls to to dodge. I do, just just where I've sort of tried to skimp on price or quality. And uh, yeah, it's come back to bite me. But other things I've skimped on price and quality and it hasn't made too much of a difference. Oh, you never quite know. Well, mm. I, I actually really, before we get into it, I really hate the phrase, a bad workman blames his tools. Yes, so do I. When it comes to, I learned this through DIY. DIY is so much easier when you've got the right tools. Yep. And as try as you might with not um sorry wrong tools i should say yeah try as you might with wrong tools uh you won't get as good a finish no and i think that the i i appreciate what uh that phrase kind of suggests but just because it goes wrong does not mean it's 100 percent your fault frequently it mm-hmm. is either wrong tool which might be your fault for picking the wrong tool or a low <laughs> or a low quality tool so i think that which I, is your your fault for picking that low quality tool unless you didn't know <laughs> Unless you didn't know. Yep. Or you couldn't and afford here's it. Here's where we come in. Yeah. So, 
first of all, we thought we'd do this in kind of a logical order. So um, when we wrote the notes up, we put them in kind of like stages order. Um, so first up is prep tools. Mm-hmm. So let's start off with the old faithful. Go on, Clippers. Then. Yes. Clipping, uh, I mean, in our case, clipping models from their sprues. Yeah. I could not now be without my GW brand clippers. I am same. Yes, yeah, so Citadel, we should point out. Citadel, sorry, uh, yes. Yes. But um yeah, the Citadel clippers, the um newish ones. The brown ones. I say yeah, the brown ones with the silver blades. I love them. I if you're going to skimp on them, it's not the end of the world, but I will always recommend that the clippers that you buy have a flat edge 100%. to them. It's so key. Because that flat edge goes up against the part that you want to save. Mm-hmm. And you will get a nice clean cut without modifying or <laughs> scarring. I was going to say, um, min- not manipulating. Damaging? Deforming? Deforming. Thank you. That was the word I was looking for. Deforming the part that you are trying to clip off. Yeah, absolutely. We'll, we'll probably mention GW Tools on and off. Uh, this is the one that I think is actually worth the price tag they put on it. Which... We might as well mention, from my opinion, the one that is not worth the money they put on it is the GW Hobby Knife, because a Correct. hobby knife is a key piece of equipment. It is a key piece of equipment, but I have found that a knife is a knife, and I always go for the Stanley knives, like um, the, sorry, the extender knives. Okay, interesting, yep. Um, just because I find they're easier to use, you can extend the blade if you're only using a tiny bit. Mm-hmm. And they are reusable. So if you get if you start to blunt the edge, you can just break off the end bit and move it up one more. They last a lot longer, mm-hmm. I find. Um, and yeah, you you can um, extend if you are wanting to uh, scrape a large bit or um, retract it so only a tiny bit is um, is relevant. So you're not scraping um, bits that you're not trying to scrape. Interesting. I'm a big fan of the X-Acto knife type setup, which is the scalpel type blade. Mm. Um, but I don't like the GW knife. It's too thin and flimsy. It doesn't feel very good. I really miss the GW knife of 2006 era, uh, <laughs> which was the grey handled one they bought out. Um, okay. Mine gave up the ghost a while back. Um, but it, it did a good service. So I have a similar one that has a very chunky handle, uh, a round, like, rubberized chunky handle so that my knife feels secure and safe when I'm using it. So See, I'm always scared that the blade is just going to ping off. I mean, it dep- if I'm using it for shaving um, off mold lines and that sort of thing, if I'm going to cut anything that's substantial, I use a snap-off blade like you do. Um, right, okay. But for clean-up and general sprue work on a miniature, I will use... A small knife like that okay having said that i've got to put a shout out for the mold line removal tool i thought this was a crappy gimmick from games workshop when they came out with it i've never used one i use the exact same knife that i use for um scraping as the mold line remover i do the same exactly that's what that's what that's what i use for my knife but for doing hobby with my son obviously i wasn't going to let him loose at five years old with a, a sharp blade i bought the hot mold line removing tool and thought let's see what this is all about it actually does a really really good job of removing about 90 percent of the bits you don't want on your model um, what, what is it so I, I it, don't actually know what it looks like it it's about the same dimensions as a pencil um okay um, so it's easy to hold uh, the end is a blade but it is a i'd say one and a half mil thick piece of steel um that tapers to like a rounded point 
um, but is not sharp, so you can't poke yourself with it. Um, it so is, you might cut yourself, but you can't stab yourself. No, you can't even cut yourself because it's got no actual um, blade effect to it. It is a, a piece of, it's just a plain piece of metal that's in a shape so that it, you can get it in amongst the pieces to scrape with. Um, <laughs> but what it is, is it's very hard and steel and the edges are cut very square on it. So the edges feel sharp to the touch, although they're not sharp enough to cut your skin. But because it's right, hardened okay. steel, it will scrape away the mold line without taking any damage itself. Um, okay. It's very, very good. If you have some sort of tremor, for example, or something which you would actually feel unsure about using a sharp knife with, um, mm -hmm. this would be good because you can't injure yourself with it. The downside right. is because it's got a rounded nose rather than a fine point, you can't get into like under armpits and stuff like that. There's a few nooks and crannies you can't get into. And if you haven't taken off enough material... Um, the sprue connection points with your clippers and that little nubbin that's left behind you can't really get that off with it so it has right. its drawbacks but I think it's very good actually for what you so pay it's, for it's it it's like a finisher yes and it, um, right. it's, it's, it's a pretty good tool next up we've got the hand drill so pin for... vice Dave pin vice Oh, see, I call it hand drill. Get, but, um... get, a hand drill is one of those crank ones from like yeah. the sixties or whatever before they're power drills. Yeah. Probably older than the sixties, actually. Someone, someone who was alive in the sixties is going to be outraged by that. But there we go. <laughs> um, but yeah, the the pin vice, as you call it, um, is the uh, small. I think the Games Workshop one, which is the one I use, the Citadel one. Again, the the later model, which is like a brownie maroon color. Yep. Um, comes with uh, three different sized drill bits. Yep. So I think it's two mil, one half, and one mil. Am I right in saying yep, that? Yeah, I think that's correct. Yeah. Um, so this is for drilling barrels. This is for um, pinning models mm -hmm. that I use it for. Um, I love the Citadel one, and that is because I haven't looked into buying another one. I bought it at the time it came out, and I haven't looked back. I can't speak for other brands and if um, better quality is better and if lower quality is worse. With the actual device itself, um, as long as it's comfortable to hold, I don't think the actual brand matters. I'm still rocking my 2006 uh, Citadel pin vice. It still works. Mm -hmm. uh, it's only the drill bit that you need to replace, really. Yeah, and the handle that sits in the palm of your hand that turns, uh, one that's rubberized is nicer than a metal one, but it doesn't matter because you don't actually do that much drilling, really, in the hobby. Mm -hmm. um, I would say when well, you... You didn't drill barrels up until recently. I didn't drill them the way you drill them, Dave, which is, <laughs> is actually also the correct way to drill them. <laughs> but let's brush over that one. I would say, though, when your bits go blunt, because they do go blunt, because a bit is basically a um, helical blade, essentially it still cuts the plastic in order to drill. When they go blunt, I would recommend paying for the Bosch or similar brand drill bits. They're not very expensive for the one mil ones, and they stay sharp for 10 times longer than your cheap ones. And this is one of those things where it's not okay. worth skimping on, um, buying a decent drill bit that's like two quid for two drill bits or something um they will last so much longer yeah i, I got some replacement one mils from my local hardware store yep, worth and it. Uh, yeah i haven't looked back generally those bits are designed for drilling holes in metal and they're metal working drill bits so when you cut when you're drilling plastic they last and last and last yes yes they do so um i think that's covering the prep tools yep. that uh, that we use Moving on to glues, we've got as the next section. And uh, specifically for this hobby, we're, let's move first onto the plastic glues. I loved it when Games Workshop 
bought out the plastic glue with the metal applicator. Yeah, absolutely. It uh, is so much better. I think it's. I think they actually divide them into plastic glue thick and thin. This is yes, the thin do, one yeah. we're talking about. I hated the old um, Citadel Games Workshop. Agreed. Um, plastic glues that would just blob onto your model and deform everything around where you've just put it. Yeah. I moved over to. God, I think it's Revel. It was it's Revel, the, yeah, yeah. The blue one that I yep. use. Yeah, I moved over to Revel several years ago. Haven't looked back. And I remember using them for sort of Airfix models yep. back in the day. And remember how easy it was. And that had the metal applicator. And I've used that for ages. Um, and Games Workshop have brought out the, the similar applicator. So yep. I would thoroughly recommend getting, if not if you're not getting the Citadel one, getting one with an easy apply knob to it. Yeah. I'm a fan of the Tamiya stuff that comes in a bottle with a tiny little brush. Um, okay. It does require a little bit more care than the one you're talking about because uh, you, if you flood the piece by accident, it melts the plastic very, very fast because it's fast setting. Yes. Um, but I've gotten used to it. And it has the upside of the, the glue being so thin. If you actually hold two parts together, which is becoming more and more relevant in the fancy pose, complicated parts, GW models, you just touch the glue to the joint it soaks into the joint and melts the plastic from the inside of the joint um, for capillary action and uh, is a lot quicker. You've got options. I, I see that as a negative, though, um, especially with the Necrons, where you have to glue several bits. To, like, you have to apply a glue to several bits yes. before you can then assemble it because they all hold each other into place. In that case, a slower setting glue is your friend. Yeah, and, and I get on with the Revel one. I, yep. I don't really know too much different. I mean, I've used the Games Workshop Thin glue, and they are very similar. So they're uh, pretty interchangeable. But moving on to super glue. Oh, yes. Personally, I don't use the Games Workshop super glue because I nope. found I went through it way too quick, and it's quite expensive. It's what it very is. overpriced. I um, use Loctite, which is yep. a brand I think is interchangeable across the world. I think so, yeah. I have used... Um, cheaper super glues in the past i have seen a difference i do find that the loctite branded super glue is better mm -hmm. for models um i use non-branded stuff for things around the house and it seems yep. to be fine yeah for, for models i definitely am on your side with the get a decent glue if you're gluing resin or metal to plastic mm -hmm. miniatures etc um, if you're gluing bigger stuff, the hardware store equivalent, like you're saying, is is really good. I buy mine from Screwfix in the UK. Um, it's very cheap and it works very, very well. Um, if you're using a lot of it on like terrain and things like that, it's actually just you're better off just using the pound shop stuff, uh, your yeah. super budget stuff, because you'll, you'll spend a fortune otherwise. So this is one of those ones where you spend money and quality uh, based on the quantity that you're going to use. I think and the quantity that you use it as well. Yep. I would I would pay more for stuff where you're going to be using uh, when you're going to be handling it more. Yep. Terrain you're fine because you're only putting it in the box once once a game, whereas models you're constantly picking them up. And the smaller contact points, like you need a decent glue to hold it in place. I'm a big fan of Gorilla Glue. That stuff's super strong. But that or yep. Loctite are uh, international brands and they're really really good. Talking of uh, strong glues, oh, yes. epoxy glue so this is the big boy stuff for your big boy titans i would recommend it on and this thing sets like rock oh it's so strong yeah if you epoxy two resin chunks together from a kit from forge world or whatever it's um almost never coming apart unless you're dave and you throw your leviathan dreadnought across the room by accident dropped I on mean, the floor dropped on the floor let's not be too I dramatic 
It was on a painting. It was on a spray stick, and it fell off because it's very top heavy. It's and, a brick, uh, that thing. Yeah, and uh, yeah, it did come apart, but um, just just scraped it away and and put some more on. It's not come apart since. Touch wood. Yeah, I I'm a big fan of epoxying the 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 stuff like that that you you don't ever want to come apart or is very heavy and like you say top heavy is very good like I again built a Leviathan Dread not the same as you did uh, like things like the waist joint I wouldn't have wanted to use anything other than epoxy glue on that waist joint because mm-hmm. you've got a brick of resin on top of a very small join um you need that strength and have you used any other brands so for epoxy I use the two part stuff that comes in the squeezy um syringe. Um, yep. I'm a fan of again the Gorilla Glue stuff is incredibly strong um, if not there are a couple of other brands like Araldite and things like that you buy a branded one rather than a cheap shop I bought the cheap pound shop stuff in the past and it's 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 not very good um, it doesn't mix up very well and it doesn't set as firm um, if you really want something to never ever come apart again then you buy JB Weld um, yeah. it, it's used for fixing car engines so it's, it's strong and there's two types there's a 24 hour set and a 5 minute set and a lot of the epoxy glues are five minutes set, um, and they they like you say, Dave. They go they go rock solid in in that five minutes. So you need to mix up an appropriate amount of two parts together and uh, get on with your job. Prep is the key here. You've got to make sure you've got your bits laid out and you know where you want the glue to go. Side note: it stinks. It does, yeah. <laughs> So other glue yes. that uh, we've listed. So you've got uh, hot glue. So for glue guns, you use this for terrain. Yeah, for quick fixes on terrain where you need it to go off in a, in good time, you use hot glue. And uh, is quality better? Um, as long as you've got a decent glue gun, all the hot glue sticks are the same. So you just buy a, yeah. a, buy a glue gun off of uh, an online retailer with a high enough star rating and you're good to go. Don't pay for a Black & Decker one or something similar. They're just not worth the money. It just It's a hot <laughs> tube that melts glue with a trigger. Like, just, yep. just get a good rated one. And what about polyurethane? So this is the glue I've mentioned on a lot of the vlog um, work for the terrain pieces. It's this it's Gorilla brand again, but it's um, an expanding foam polyurethane glue. And it's used to stick large things together, like the terrain stuff, like the boards and the foam and wood pieces and things like that. But it... You, you just hold the two pieces together with this glue in the middle um, that you've dampened and you leave it for a few hours. The glue expands, which is why everything has to be held together. Um, but it's a bit like epoxy. The bond is super tight. But again, it's only for large flat areas that are in contact with each other. So it really is a terrain thing. And continuing your terrain theme, yes. you've got the last one as contact adhesive. So you, I know you've mentioned this in your vlogs as well. Yeah, and I'm sure I've mentioned it on the show before as well. Um, it's the one where you put uh, on the two parts that you want to put together, you spread it on both and let it dry, and it chemically bonds to the two pieces. And then once it's dry, um, you put those two parts together, and the glue chemically bonds to itself and is uh, incredibly strong joint. I used this on all of my gaming tiles where I glued the buildings down to the tile because you just put it down and it, it, it grabs straight away and you can't get the two pieces apart as soon as they touch, basically. Um, but it holds those... I mean, you've played on my table and I've had it for like three years now and none of those buildings oh, yeah. have come up and they probably never will come up. The buildings will break before they come up. There's a Cadia guard joke in there somewhere, but I can't be bothered. <laughs> I, uh, I see them as Velcro. Yes, so two parts, very good. Two parts that are the same and uh, stick them together and they won't come apart. Except Velcro's designed to come apart again, but... Shut up. <laughs> uh, so enough about glues. Let's move on to primers. Yes. So this, for me, oh, this is all, a dependent, yeah, all depends on the finish and yep. the colour. Absolutely. 
So finish, if I don't care about the finish, I will go for a standard brand cheap uh, primer. I tend to go for, I think you've mentioned it here, High Coat. Oh, yes. From, uh, so there are two that I go for. One is um, Halfords, which is a car shop here. Yeah. And uh, the other one is, and the uh, aforementioned High Coat. So I've got three different colors for High Coat. I've got black, white, and matte gray and matte gray tends to be the one that i use the most yeah i'm always having I mean, halfords is a car dealership a car stuff shop in the uk they sell loads car of other random store. they sell so much <laughs> stuff but those paints are designed to go on cars and my mm. my thought process is if it's a good enough paint to spray on a multiple thousand pound car it's and a, doesn't melt plastic and doesn't melt plastic like the bumper that it's supposed to be sprayed onto um then it's probably a good enough quality to spray on your miniatures that's mm-hmm. my theory. But you may have heard us mention one or two times, uh, we do like the odd colour primer. Or yes. colour matched primer, which I think is the important part here. Y- yes, I was going to say. So there, there, there are two um, main brands that I go to. Mm-hmm. Uh, one is Citadel Games Workshop and one is Army Painter. Yeah. When it comes to um, spraying Games Workshop models that I will uh, be doing a lot more um, detail work on, I will always go for a Games Workshop colour. Yeah. Um, just because I can use the same base color to mm-hmm. touch up any bits that i screw up later down the line and they are so they are so accurate with their color matching but mm-hmm. you cannot tell yeah and and the, the the finish is the finish is not too much of a difference between those and um army painter mm-hmm. which is the other brand that i use army painter i find is slightly cheaper but um army painter has a massive selection of sprays this is true the only one I would never, ever buy is Corax White from GW. I <laughs> have complained about it lots of times. I thought that it was just because I was bitter because it ruined my Drakari army. But if you check out Duncan Rhodes, Lord Duncan Rhodes' video on how he paints his own Space Marine chapter that he came up with, he says, don't buy Corax White, it goes powdery. Yes. Duncan it's, it's said it. It's very chalky. Yeah. I've, I've found, yeah. So um, that's, that's why I go for the high coat white. Yeah, absolutely. Because I find uh, it's a much smoother finish next stage painting your miniatures Mm. brushes now this is one that will set some people off uh, on mini rants about their particular brand that they're down with Uh, i'm gonna say that i've basically painted miniatures with all of the available brands and they each offer something different so this is this is one of those ones where i don't think you can go wrong i think you've just got to figure out what you want from the brush I uh, didn't care what brand I used until I bought, well, I say bought, I got them for Christmas, quality brushes. Right. Yes. Yeah, so we'll start so with that I th- one then. I, th- I, th- I think we should um, tier this. So you've okay. got your everyday brushes that you get in a uh, like a six pack from a paint store for a fiver. I use those for anything from washes to yep. terrain, but anything that I don't not don't care about the finish but anywhere that i don't care about um, getting it onto other bits of the model yep. accuracy yes exactly then we've got the middle tier uh so this this is my my tier system then we've got the middle tier and that's where i put my citadel brushes okay yeah which are good everyday brushes yep. yes they do go bad over time but uh, i tend to they tend to have a lifestyle of going from um big brushes and then as they lose more and more hairs, they become detail brushes. 
and then eventually they become stipple or um, like hard dry terrain brushes yeah um, so that's that's the three uh, stages of, of the middle of the road um, Citadel brushes. Plus side of buying a Citadel brush is in the shop you can uh, rifle through the... I mean, you really shouldn't be doing it at the moment with the current situation, but you can rifle through the stack to find ones that are not pre-ruined before you buy them. So you can pick the, yes. the prime brush because some of them, uh, little Timmy will have come in the shop uh, taken the cap off, had a look at the brush and jammed the cap back on and fishtailed that brush for you before you buy it. So definitely uh, pick and choose. Damn you, Timmy. Sorry and, if and you're called got... Timmy. It's just the first kid's name that jumped to mind, even though I've not ever met a child called Timmy. Uh, I mean, I've met Tim and he is a child. <laughs> so. uh, and then you've got the top tier. Well, I say top tier. I know there's going to be huge debate about which one's better, like you said. But um, the top tier, which is the branded actual quality paintbrushes. Artists' brushes. I, yes. I personally use Winsor & Newton Series 7. Oof, um, the big I, boys. I asked for um, a set for Christmas. Yep. And I received a set for Christmas because it's one of the first times at Christmas where I've actually specified what I've wanted. Um, but in the same bracket, I know you've got the Rosemary & Co brushes, which I think you use. Yes, they're a little less expensive than uh, the uh, Windsor & Newton. They're somewhere between GWs um, and the Windsor & Newton in cost. Mm-hmm. And I think the quality is about halfway there as well. They're a premium, but they're not like... Uh, they're not they're not Windsor and Newton level right um, and then we've got other brands uh, I know that Artis Opus do a load of um, high quality yep. brushes and uh, Raphael I've been yes. recommended as well yeah they're on they're on they're on par with Windsor and Newton I think and they're, they're, the thing mm-hmm. with those is they're all designed for like watercolor artists um, or detailed acrylic artists so they're they're very high quality focus I use these the most because I spend a lot of time uh, doing details and accurate work mm-hmm. on my models. Um, if I am batch painting a load, I will probably stick to the Games Workshop brushes sure. and maybe the bigger Winsor & Newton sort of um, base brush, which is the size 2 yep. um, in my eyes. Um, but I've got uh, 0, 1 and 2, 1 being the everyday um, standard brush and 0 being the fine detail brush. Yep, and I would put army painter brushes in with the GW ones as well. They're about the same. Yes, yes. Which will take us nicely on to talk about paints. This again is 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 something some people hate certain brands of paint. Um, <laughs> whereas I tend to really dislike painting with certain colours rather than I do painting with certain brands. Yeah, and I also find that people hate brands based on past experiences with a single paint. Yeah, potentially. Yeah. I tried uh, Privateer Press. P3. Okay, yeah. Used their green, uh, really like luminous green, hated it, and now subconsciously it's tainted the entire yep. brand for me. Let's let's start off though with um Citadel. So yep. this is the standard paint for 90% of the people that we're probably talking to. Uh it it color matches everything that you read in White Dwarf online. Yep. Um, all of the sprays, mm-hmm. the aforementioned sprays that we were talking about, they are brilliant as acrylic paint paints. 
then you've got slightly more sophisticated paints or more detailed paints so there's there's less color variation between them um, and i'd stick vallejo into this okay, because yep. they are a singular sort of uh, they're known for their paints they've got a huge range mm-hmm. from everything from metallics to weather effects to yep. um to everything so if you are looking for a specific color um i would i would recommend vallejo uh, there are other sort of uh, high quality paint companies out there as well I know that scale seventy five is one, and you yep. like—is it coat d'arms? I hate coat d'arms. Oh, right, there but, we go. Uh, I and uh, this is based off of using a couple of their paints. They are very focused on the ones that I've used in their range. Are the ones that are focused on mimicking the old GW paints of like the nineties, early two thousands. Um, the consistency, Goblin Green. The consistency. Well, no, I've never buying Goblin Green. The <laughs> consistency of the paints that I did use from them was atrocious. Um, I would never wish them on my worst enemy. Um, I don't like them at all. But that's my personal opinion. I hear, I hear other people really like them. But uh, mm. I found that the paint was very gel-like um, and not a nice texture to paint with. And then when you thinned it down to get it more like a normal paint consistency, it had zero coverage. Um, so not, and not you one don't want to be me. messing... You don't want to be messing with paints anyway. You usually like them straight out of the pot. Uh, you've got to add a little water, Dave. You've got to add a little water. Not heathens. Well, I, use a, I use a wet palette. To oh, be fair. oh, very good. Um, jump ahead, jump ahead. Uh, and you do get different finishes with the different paint ranges as well. It's worth noting. Um, Scale 75, you mentioned, are incredibly matte uh, finishes, mm-hmm. and the Citadel ones are a little bit more satin. So, again, people can also find the type of finish that they like varies between paints. But, I mean, I've used something from all the ranges, and, um, yeah, it, they're much for muchness, really. The one thing for Citadel to point out, though, is the majority of the base paints uh, really do do what they say on the tin and get a decent paint base coat down with good coverage uh, there are mm-hmm. a few of them that i wonder if they should be base paints based on their consistency i'm looking at you galvarac red um whatever it's called <laughs> it's got awful coverage um but generally speaking they're pretty good yeah and uh, just just a final note on that there are several color comparison charts on the internet so you can yep. compare brands and uh the, i use a very good one that has sort of compared how similar um the similar paints are between the brands so after you've painted a model yep. you want to finish it and seal it ready for playing yes so you've used far more um sprays and finishes than i have varnishes and finishes yep. that i have i have used the old games workshop i think it's purity seal it used to be called yeah still is I, called I had, was it not Muninitorum varnish? There's different finishes on them, I think. They're different finishes. Oh, okay. Unless they've gotten rid of um, Purity Seal altogether, which I sincerely hope they have. I had um, good results with Purity Seal, but yes, I know a lot of people that have had like frosted miniatures yep. from it. This is one of those things where, um, yeah, I mean, I've had some good results with Purity Seal as well. And I've had some absolute catastrophes, um, even when I've taken all the precautions and that much variance when you've finished your model is unacceptable for me. Like a bit of variance in the primer, like I had Corax white go bad on me. I was able to scrub most of it off and start again. I hadn't spent much time on it. When you've spent hours painting your miniatures, you do not want them to get frosted because that is very difficult to fix. And Purity Seal has a very, very good reputation for frosting. And I understand Munitor and Varnish is a little bit less bad. So what do you use currently? So I do you use rattle can or do you airbrush it? Or I rattle can my terrain pieces um, with Rostolium brand. So that is a brand that's used for furniture. 
Um, so it's 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 strong and has a reliable finish. Um, I wouldn't put it on miniatures. It's a little too thick with a little bit too much of a gloss to it. I airbrush on my um, uh, final uh, varnish coat uh, using Dale Rowney uh, acrylic. Um, they need mineral spirits, so white spirits to thin them down. Uh, you can mm-hmm. paint them on with a brush, um, which works okay. Okay enough to, 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 to do it, um, but it works best with an airbrush. But these are designed for protecting paintings acrylic and oil-based paintings so i was gonna say de la rowney is, is a watercolor and, and yeah. premium artist painters they brand. on face value don't look that cheap um a bottle uh is like eight pounds um for what seems like a small bottle but it goes absolutely miles like i've bought mm-hmm. one small bottle in like 10 years of each gloss and matte and the best thing about that is you can mix up your own finish so Gloss gives so if you, you want a slightly more satin approach. Exactly. You can mix them. Gloss nice. gives you the strength, and matte gives you the flat finish. Um, like for my sisters of battle, for example, they've got metal armor. I wanted them to be a bit satin. I just mixed it fifty-fifty, and it's come out fine. So you can tailor it. Um, but if you don't have an airbrush, um, I would. Uh, if you're going to use a GW or another brand like Army Painter, I think is better. Um, just literally test spray it on the same day a little bit it'll it'll cloud in half an hour if it's going to cloud up but i I just don't trust the gw ones after too many failures see i use a rattle can approach um and i bought plastic coat okay that's a good brand which is a a, which is a brand that i found on um, amazon i was recommended it Mm -hmm. um however the caps that come with those sprays are god awful and i would recommend buying replacement heads the um gw range of uh, spray cans have this same um connection on the head because i've found out it's fairly uh, uniform yeah through through error that um, there are two different sizes when it comes to spray can heads um but yeah that they they have the sort of the universal uh, ones that i've used and the finish is very matte which is what i like Mm mm-hmm and uh yeah it's 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 worked for me and i was one of those painters that never used to varnish their models i didn't varnish the majority of my armies um up until the last two years two three years mm. so um you can you can spill all the hate on me you want but uh yeah i i never used to use varnishes up until yeah last two three years Hey man, it's your choice on uh, whether you want to use it or not. I just refuse to risk ri- risk ruining a paint job um, through, <laughs> through play. Oh, it's just too 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 stressful. I won't go back and repaint it. I'll just get very upset. So we do have basing down here, but I think because we covered it so recently in episode sixty one, we won't go over it now. Okay, that sounds like a great but... idea. <laughs> <laughs> they're the sort of tools that we use to uh, prime and prepare and paint our models. They're the basics. Let's move right? on. Yeah, the basics. Let's move on to the more advanced Ooh. tools that we use. Go on, then. Um, starting with the tool that uh, is the uh, poster boy for advanced techniques, Go and on, that then. is the airbrush. Yes. How many airbrushes have you owned over the years, and, and what would you say is the pros and cons of each one? Uh, I've owned three airbrushes um, okay. over the years. Uh, I bought a basic airbrush and compressor set off of insert online retailer name here um that had good Fam- reviews. famous south american rainforest yes what's left of it um and it worked absolutely fine for a couple of years it uh the compressor is still going now and the airbrush yep. let me learn the basics and um if i screwed it up it didn't matter because it was cheap 
I bought an Iwata, who are a very expensive brand of airbrushes. Ooh. Neo, which is their outsourced third-party licensed budget option, and <laughs> I didn't like it at all. Oh really? No, it was it was it worked okay for a bit, and then I got uh, I found it just was worse than the budget one that it came with after a, a very short amount of use. And I now use a Badger airbrush, uh, the Patriot One Hundred Five. Um, it is a moderately priced airbrush, as in it wasn't cheap, but it wasn't expensive, um, and I'm happy with that. I will probably never move up to the expensive one because I just don't do enough airbrushing or enough detailed airbrushing. Okay, so so the pro, pros and cons of of both of them. So I started with you. I actually yep. um, tra- I actually made a trade. I traded an entire army for an airbrush. Uh, my my old Space Wolves army it wasn't a massive trade- army. Let's let's put that out there. Yeah, it wasn't a two thousand point army like hundreds no, of no, thousands no, no, of no. models. You're not that much of a mug, Dave. <laughs> no, no, no. But but it was it was a um, it was a starter army. Yeah. Um, I traded that f- with um, Dave that we've mentioned a few times, uh, and I got the I think the same airbrush compressor combo that you had. Probably because I probably advised him to buy that one, as yeah. as did a lot of people in our in our little hobby group. Yeah, but uh, I actually bought a, a thirty pound airbrush from Amazon. Okay, yeah, I think it was like a Gantech or something or Ganzo. Um, lasted me for years, mm-hmm. and because I didn't again didn't use too much detail work i use the occasional sort of um uh, base coat blending mm-hmm. sort of thing lasted for ages loved it i however have recently moved up and based on your recommendation i've gone for the badger badger patriot 105 as well mm-hmm. i really like it it's really good for all sorts the needle size changes depending on what you want yep. to to base coating or detail work the only reservation i have with it is that you can't adjust the paint um, to air ratio that I could with my old oh, airbrush. Okay. Um, so sometimes I wanted like a fine mist, and you you have to you have to um, control that with your finger, right? Yeah. Rather than being able to um, okay. manually control it and then pull the trigger all the way back, that sort of thing. Okay. Yeah. But uh, yeah, th- there are pros and cons to more expensive airbrushes and more budget air- airbrushes and. The general rule of thumb is you get what you pay for. Yeah. And I think with the other stuff that goes with airbrushing, there are loads of different things you can buy. You can buy an ultrasonic bath to clean your parts, which is good, but not necessary. I think the one thing that's worth focusing on if you're if you're getting into airbrushing is get a decent thinner and cleaner. You and I have both used the Vallejo ones and yep. the Tamiya ones in the past. Um, and both of them have performed very well and are worth the little bit extra it costs, um, but they go a, a long, long way. And those bottles seem expensive, but they last for years. I will say, as a caveat, I would buy the thinner for the paint brand that you are using. Mm, yes. I found that the Vallejo thinner wasn't very good thinning Tamiya paints, but the Tamiya one was. Okay. Um, but I have used the Vallejo thinner for everything else, and it's been totally fine. Yep. So yeah, I, I would buy. Um, I'd stick to one brand. And sometimes painting goes wrong, um, and <laughs> or you get some very old miniatures, maybe, um, and you might want to actually undo the paintwork and strip the models. I'm going to put a public service announcement out there: Do not use Dettol. People online will tell you to. YouTube videos will tell you to. It is gross stuff to work with, and it's an absolute pain <laughs> in the backside. Um, so personally. I wouldn't touch it with a barge pole. 
Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> and I mean, in our notes, you've called this paint stripping, but I actually use uh, isopropyl alcohol, yeah, which you've got the best. as a stripper, um, and uh, methylated spirits. Yeah. I actually use isopropyl alcohol for a slight reduction technique when it comes to acrylic paints. Oh, okay. So in the same way that I use uh, white spirits and or mineral spirits for um, reduction techniques for enamel paints, I actually use isopropyl alcohol for um, acrylic washes and stuff. Okay. But because it's in this paint stripping section, you have to be very careful yes. because it is very good at stripping paint. It is. And right now it's a bit difficult to get hold of because it's the main ingredient in hand sanitizer. So you can use methylated spirits in its place. Um, and you just bath your miniatures for half hour, scrub them with a toothbrush and rinse and repeat as needed. Um, mm -hmm. I don't think you need to spend out on anything fancy. Um, no. And th as, as you've mentioned, those products do have other uses. Heck, I use them in terrain all the time for making my glue layers, etc. soak into things. So it's one of those things where even if you're not stripping a lot of models, you'll definitely find hobby uses for those materials and you don't need to spend out on a fancy paint stripping um, product. Uh, just these general hardware uh, chemicals will do the job and they're pretty safe to handle, actually. You won't, you won't hurt yeah. yourself with them. They may smell a bit funny and you probably want to do it in a ventilated area, um, but you won't burn yourself by accident in any way. I will say that because they are chemical products, the chemical... Um, the chemical formula has to stay the same. So if you're buying expensive or brand or budget things, you're pretty much getting much of a muchness. Just check the percentage on the bottle because that'll tell you whether it's mm -hmm. been watered down or not. Yes, yeah. Isopropyl 99% yep. is, is usually what you go for. So you alluded to this one, Dave, because you're a fancy man and you like using a wet palette. Not necessarily a fancy man um, because I homemade my wet palette thanks to the wonders of the internet and mr darren latham yes so uh, a, a wet palette is just a way to um, thin your paints without having to mix them yep. essentially is, is the way i would put it so you've got the the standard um palettes that everyone had that everyone's heard of with your your plastic or your metal covering yep. and, and it makes sure you don't have too much uh, paint on your brush uh, whereas a, a wet palette will mix your paint slightly with water so that they flow easier and i have not looked back since starting using a wet palette and it's so handy that it keeps the paint usable for such a long period of time you get your paint to just where you want it on a normal palette and you use it and it starts to dry and you've got to rehydrate and it's just a pain whereas the ease of using a wet palette is is uh, you, you, it's one of those things you don't realize it until you try. Tim did the same. Like he didn't realize mm. it until he tried it. He's like, "Oh, you guys go on about this all the time." Tried it. He's like, "I'm not going back." Yeah, it's 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 great, and you can buy you can buy branded ones. Um, yep. so Army Painter do one. Yeah, I've I've seen and I've seen uh, especially artist wet palettes you can buy from Amazon, eBay, yep. that sort of thing. I homemade mine. Yep. And it is simple. Uh, I used uh, one of the old Tuft boxes from Citadel. Yep. That's a brilliant box. Yeah. Yeah. It's perfect. So what I do is I fold up some uh, kitchen roll yep. um, to, to, fit the bit, to fit the box. Uh, I put, cut out some uh, baking tray uh, paper, put mm -hmm. it over the top, and then I fill up the um, box with water so that the uh, kitchen roll completely soaks through. Yep. And then I pour all the excess water away. So you've got a sodden kitchen roll underneath the baking paper, 
baking paper and uh, the baking paper allows enough dampness and water through that it thins your paint without making it into a wash it's brilliant if it's good enough for darren latham to make one like that it's good enough for me (laughs) exactly exactly and the last kind of advanced thing we had on the list was weathering now we've both gotten more and more into weathering the more and more we've done the hobby i think Mm -hmm. um and yeah I, th- I think that's why it's under the advanced yes i think um, so and it's something people don't do as start and the, by advanced i think we also mean like not things that you'll normally find in your local gaming store as materials optional extras yes i would call as well you don't you don't need them to finish a model no and i think when it comes to weathering and mostly referring to either pigment powders um, which we've mentioned plenty of times, and enamel-based products, so your streaking grimes and basically anything that um, Ammo, MIG, and the other um, military modelling companies manufacture for, for use on those sort of kits. Yeah, I mean, if, if we start off with pigments, I've found I've used several um, different brands of pigments. Um, I've used Vallejo, mm-hmm. I've used AK Interactive, and I've used Forge World powders. Yeah. They are much of a muchness they all work the same way where they differ is what you mix them with so um i've used pigment binder i've used water and i've used um uh, them sort you, of dry. you mentioned this last time didn't you with uh yeah so, so they work in all different ways it all depends on how you want to finish it mm-hmm. um but different brands do um all pretty much the same products it, it, i would test them yourself because I wouldn't say they're better or worse. It all depends on how you want the model to look. And how the company markets um, their products as well. Yes. <laughs> well, Can't skirt around that one, well Dave. Well put. Well put. Yeah, so um, I've, I've recently started using uh, Airbrush Thinner mm. as, a, as a sealer for, for them. Um, I love the way that um, dry pigments look when you brush them on. Yep. I love how that dusted look. However... Uh, they will come straight off if you start handling the model without sealing it first. And that has always been my problem with pigments is I like how they look before they're sealed. And enamels, we've mentioned them before. Um, Again, almost all the products that are made ready mixed in pots are interchangeable. Um, And if you want to mix up your own ones with oil paints and some form of mineral slash white spirit thinner, um, you can. But as you've mentioned before, they're not quite as easy to work with as the out the pot ones and i'm willing to agree but again if you're on a budget you know you just need a black and a brown oil paint and a green maybe and you can make any number of dirty grimy washes that you you want to come up with yep yep i i love them and the fact that you can um reduce them so i've talked about the reduction technique on the podcast before Mm -hmm. reduce them or make them into streaks for for rust and that sort of thing or um, put them into recesses for sort of lighter rust as well or heavier rust they're brilliant and lastly we'll roll on through to add-ons so i am not one for buying hobby gimmicky things just for the sake of it and everything on the list that we put down here that may seem a little um, gimmicky is actually probably worth investing in to some point so first up the ultimate thing that i thought well there's a gimmick um that their gw are just playing on is the paint pot holder that they came up with See, I'm I'm still on the gimmick fence with this one. I I, I haven't I haven't bought it, so I can't say. Have you spilt a but, whole pot uh, of wash before, Dave? I I have, yes. Well, you not, wouldn't have done if you'd bought one of these. 
not for a while. I have to. I hasten to. No, that's that's what it is. You haven't done it for a while, so the the, rem- well, the memories. I don't paint raw. enough. <laughs> nice, nice. <laughs> um, I now have got myself into the habit of not using a wash or a contrast paint unless I put it in my GW paint pot holder. Um, and several times I've knocked it and it's wobbled around and it won't fall over and it won't spill wash everywhere. Do you know what? The one time I didn't do it, I spilled Blood Angels Red all over my painting tray and it made an absolute mess. So it's taught me that that is like five quid well spent. And it holds three nice. different colours as well, you know? Yeah. Bit bit too Nurgle for me, but uh, oh, there enough. we go. Um, the next one that, yes, I did think was a gimmick and have bought multiple of them is the painting handle oh yeah i have always been uh, one of those people that really struggles to hold a model while painting it i used to always use cork so i had like tons of corks mm-hmm. and i used to drill um, oh, paper clips into the bottom yeah bottom of shoes and, and stop stabbing them into the now just pin them to a base stick the base in the painting handle and you can interchange them constantly um, because models are always on bases, they're so easy to use. It's it's really ergonomic. Um, so, there you go. So it's um it it doesn't it's not painful and it's not awkward to hold. Yeah. And I recently bought the XL one as well. I did as well. Yeah, the, bigger the big, bases. Big well worth investing in. Yeah, and it's worth it for not handling the model so much that you damage your paintwork. And mm-hmm. uh, I use it for painting characters and standout models mostly because I don't want to keep swapping my miniatures in and out. Uh, but for those special jobs, it's it's really worth getting. And lastly on our list is if you're working on transfers, some form of setting products, whether this is Microsol, Microset, or the other many brands equivalents out there of uh, decal or transfer softening solutions or glue uh, assists, they are absolutely worth the money if you want your transfers to look on point and never go wrong. Um, yep. I've never had any go wrong when using these products. They seemed, again, like, oh, what's the point in spending, like, £8 or whatever it is on, on, a, on a pack of these things? Um, and since using them, I, I'm not going to go back. They just get the transfer looking perfect and contouring to all the awkward parts and everything every single time. Yep, I I haven't seen the outline of a transfer in years. Yep, absolutely fantastic. So I guess our summary is that you've got your core basic items that you have to buy, um, in which case picking the ones that uh, suit your needs best is is the way to make a decision. And if that is based on budget or or whatever other restrictions, then then making your choice. And the other things really are add-ons and extras that you shouldn't feel like you have to to use but if you want to branch out and, and add them into your uh hobby collection then uh, go for it yeah yeah i i fully agree and i i'd say the general rule of thumb is usually as in life you get what you pay for but when it comes to anything with chemical formulas which is like the the isopropyl alcohols and thinners yep. that sort of stuff they pretty much are a like for like with any brand so you you can skip you can skimp on those sort of stuff Right, Joe, we're not going to skimp on though, Dave, even though we've just talked about uh, lots of advice-based information. We're not skimping on hobby tips. No? What have you got this week? I've got a little review on removing details from your models, things you don't want to be on there that are sculpted on. Right. Okay, so this this is quite relevant for stuff like uh, Indomitus and starter boxes where you've got uh, single pose miniatures or uh, stuff with details that you don't quite fit into your army. Yeah, and 
I had it come up in my mind um, as something to cover when I was working on the Crusaders um, because I use Stormcast Eternal models and you've already mentioned the lightning bolts. Their shields are covered in like Sigmar's hammer with the anvil and lightning symbols all over them um, and they don't quite fit for what I wanted for 40k. And I was thinking, oh, this is a good thing to talk about. And then this week I watched a YouTube video by Pete the Wargamer who converted Cato Sicarius from one of the Vitrix guard models uh, that comes oh, nice. with Marnius Kalgar, uh, except he removed the entire shield from the Vitrix guard model and somehow managed to leave its arm behind, even though its arm is inside of the shield. So is the shield all part of one it's, model? It's whole, the shield is, is permanently part of the cloak and the body and the arm, and he carefully right, okay. removed it. Um and reworked the arm to look like an arm rather than a, just a chunk of plastic, and I was like, I was totally amazed, and I was like, okay, that's way beyond what I want to touch, but um, <laughs> you know, it's clearly like uh, it has a lot of uses, not just turning fantasy models into forty k, um, but like you say as well, like uh, removing them from single pose ones where you get them stuck in kits. So we should get him on to uh, take over your segment. Oh, I wish he's got like eighty thousand subscribers on YouTube. We'd be famous overnight, <laughs> mate. Oh, do, do you not have that with your vlog? Uh, not quite. Um, <laughs> the first thing that I've um, definitely learned is to use your clippers to do the majority of the work because they're great at making big, big bold cuts, right? But what I found is don't get them near to the actual piece you want to be left with. And this is based on what you were saying earlier, actually, about the way the blade cuts and that it cuts mm. very straight on one side but it it drives a wedge with the other parts of the blade. And it's very, very easy um, to, as you're cutting, you like line the edges up and you think this looks like a good cut. And then as the plastic deforms, when you start to cut it, it can twist the piece into all sorts of different shapes. So I'm a remove, I'd say about 75% of what you want to get rid of with the clippers. Yep. Uh, Remove the last, I don't know, 20% with a knife. Um, And for this, I... You know, we've already talked about using knives, but I use a fresh blade. So it would be either snap off the blade that you mentioned, you just use a snap off knife or put a fresh scalpel blade in whatever you're using. Because if you're shaving with it, you really want the blade to be sharp. How often would you change them? Normally I change my blades like every six months. But if I was doing a job like this where I needed it to be accurate, I would change the blade for this job. And that's because as you use a blade, it becomes like notched and chipped which if mm-hmm. you're scraping the odd mould line away off of an arm or something isn't such a big deal. But if you're scraping something off of a large flat surface, like a shield, or you're scraping something off where you want to leave a flat, smooth finish, um, accidentally putting those grooves in from a notched blade uh, can be a real issue. You're making your job harder um, in the next stage, which is to smooth everything out when you're done. So I see a lot of people online use files. I'm not a yeah. fan of using hobby files at all. Um, no. My brother-in-law lives I'm, by I'm them. I'm one of those people. I, I just can't get to grips with, with using using the file. I'm much more a sandpaper user when it's it comes not, to smoothing things out. Is that not taking a hammer to crack a nut, so to speak? Because I have very thin sort of hobby-style knives I got in a, like a green stuff collection. Yeah, no, I mean, if, if that works for you, that's great. I, I find that I often are a bit too clumsy, I guess, with them and take off too much material and then, then you're really they're screwed. Hand-fisted. Then you're really screwed because I can't... Yeah, thank you. Because I can't... Then I'm terrible with green stuff to work to put anything back. Um, so right. I go with the slowly uh, but steady route um, with sandpaper. 
Um, and, you know, on a large flat surface like a shield, um, I'll use a couple of grits of sandpaper to get a, a smooth finish. Um, sandpaper's weird in that the lower number grits um, are the more abrasive um, sandpapers, and the higher the number is, the smoother the sandpaper finishes. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's just, I, I just see it as the amount of bits per like sort of square centimeter. It probably sort of is thing. something like that, but in your mind, it, it just or in my mind, it seems like that you you'd go from like uh, I think it's because you're supposed to work from low to high, but just the higher number would in my mind be more abrasive. But never mind. Okay. Um, so I tend to buy the multi packs um, that you get. You know, when you get like a you get like a, f- a coarse, medium, a fine, and a super fine in in one pack or whatever. And I go up to like four hundred grit. I think is the one I usually use. And I buy the wet and dry stuff because um, you can use water to get a really smooth finish. Um, and if you've got awkward parts where normally you would use a file to get in on gaps, um, I actually tend to like glue sandpaper to like a piece of uh, a small balsa stick or something like that to kind of make my own files um, <laughs> to really get in there and get the, get the little nitty gritty bits out. Because what I found is that frequently I'll do some sort of removal job like this and I'll take the parts off that I don't want on there and I think, yeah, that looks good. Then I will go and spray prime it to paint and it will just immediately highlight that because they're different kind of plastics or whatever um, that I have absolutely not done the job properly, and there's still <laughs> remnants of what I was trying to remove behind. Um, and I think battle th- damage, you're done. Some of it you can get away with battle damage, and I've definitely done that in the past. Um, but sometimes I think there's no shame in actually being like, right, I need to go back and re-sand that part because it looks god awful now. I put primer on it because it's not going to get any better when you start putting colours on it. Like if there are grooves or an uneven surface, um, you've got to fix it before you before you carry on with the painting because um, otherwise it just shows up worse. I think, but. Sure. I would encourage people to try it if you like. I like that model, but there are some things that I don't like about it, or I want to use that, but it's got some extra bits on it that are not necessary. Take some time to like clip and carve it away. And I think that the thing I learned from watching the guy on YouTube was he constantly does a little bit, then stops and sees if it fits or sees if it looks right, and then does a little bit more. Um, so I think it's one of those things that actually requires patience, which is probably why I don't do it very often. Fair enough. So... Thank you, Rich O'Keefe, the man that is so stubborn about not using files, he makes his own. Yes. So anyway, you can find us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Floorhammer Podcast, the website floorhammerpodcast.com and our Instagram handle at floorhammer underscore podcast. Cheers, guys, for listening. Speak to you next episode.